Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. I heard Bill Bogus's name from mutual friends but never met him. I finally caught up with him at a conference in Mississippi for the Free Grace Alliance. We had a very uplifting conversation as we talked about God's grace and how it worked in his life, even through some very difficult circumstances. As you listen, you can't help but hear the grace of God just exuding from this man of God. But that's not where the story starts. He had to go through a personal time of searching until he asked God out loud to reveal himself. It's interesting what happened after that. Just listen. Glad you could join us today for another Grace Stories. I'm sitting with a friend who has been known to me for a long time through another friend, but got to spend some time with him recently here, and uh, his name is Bill Bogus. So, welcome, Bill. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. We're just going to find out what your story is today, and because uh, I heard you tell a little bit about it, and it sounded very, very interesting, your background, and we'll will end up where, what you're doing today and why you're doing that. But uh, tell us where you, you're from. Well, I'm from Columbus, Mississippi, uh, which is um, just a smaller town in Mississippi. I was brought up in a Roman Catholic church, very, very fervent Catholic. With your parents and family? Hmm? Your parents and family with them? Your whole family? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, six kids and then three cousin came in, um, lived in our family. We had <laughs> we had nine kids. Eight out of nine were teenagers at the same time. So we had a great oh, time. <laughs> yeah, your parents had a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dad wouldn't even eat with us most nights. <laughs> Is that right? So you grew up, did you go to Catholic school, public school? Uh, public school. Public school. But um, I was an altar boy and just, um, just a fervent Catholic, believed Seriously, and God believed in his mighty power and uh, his goodness and a lot of things like that, but I didn't know the God. Well, I was not raised Catholic, so you say you were a fervent Catholic. What does that mean? Oh, man, that means you went to church. Uh, you know, you went to church every Sunday, every Sunday. Um, I might be really, really busy a weekend, but I would make time to get to church, even if it's a Sunday night, just a late mass or something. Uh, it meant that I was an altar boy. It meant that, um, you know, until they changed the rules, you wouldn't eat any uh, meat on Friday. You'd uh, observe the Lent. Uh, you would, um, you would uh, go to confession regularly, mm-hmm. which I did. Uh, you know. So you, you were a good, what would, we would call a good Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know for certain if you died at that time that you'd go to heaven? No, it's, you know, how the, the theology in the Catholic Church is, you just really can't ever know. You never, you just never know when you're going to die, you don't know how good you're going to be, what kind of condition you're going to be. But at your young age, did you think about that at your young age? I did. Yeah. I did. I remember asking my mom one time, I said, look, mom, if, if I commit a mortal sin, you know, right before I die, what if I lived a really good life and then I committed a mortal sin? And I didn't get to confession, and I got hit by a truck. What would I do? Would I go straight to hell? And she'd say, oh, well, God will make sure that that doesn't happen to you. Well, 
I guess that satisfied me somewhat at that time. But, she kind of punt punted that question. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was um, it, the lack of clarity was, um, you know, was pretty evident to me even at that time. Just uh, I, I needed something more specific. Yeah. So being a, being a, a good Catholic, did that keep you on a straight and narrow way morally? It did. It did. God used it to scare me <laughs> from from uh, straying too far away. Yes, it did. It did really good. And, uh, you know, I thank my parents for, uh, you know, giving me a good example in that regard as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, you, I know, have uh, had a turning point or something. Uh, I don't know what age, what age was that? I was 19. Um, I was in a fraternity at Mississippi State, and a guy came in from the summer and he had had a conversion experience and, and started teaching the Bible. This guy was a genius, but he'd take the simplest, easiest stories in the Bible and um, was just feeding me salt, and I wanted something to drink. You hadn't heard these things before? No, I didn't know. I, did, I never heard. We didn't have a Bible. We had a Bible in our house, but it was, you know, a big family, Bible. family Bible, and you just didn't ever read it, and it was... I, I, you just didn't read it. You just didn't use the Bible. But this was stories like John, uh, you know, John, um, Daniel in the lion's den, or, or David and Goliath. And I'm, I was amazed at these guys' faith that that they had. And they were both, you know, at least David was a young man. And so I would be angry at God. I would go out behind the, the fraternity house and I would start talking to God in a very loud and somewhat angry voice and say, I want faith like these guys. I, I, I'm an altar boy, and I want faith like that. You and said I that did, out loud. I did it out loud. I was shouting. Wow. And it was more than once. But I, I knew something wasn't, wasn't clicking for me with, with God. I wanted this relationship that David had that I didn't have anything close to that, and I was, you know, I was trying but I just didn't get it, and, it, and I guess the trying it was not the way to get there, <laughs> evidently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So when did, you, when did things click for you, and how did that happen? Well, um, he started teaching this Bible study in September, when school started back for the semester, and I heard these stories, and he'd also give a little illustration every, every time at the end of his, his uh, teaching. He would give an illustration where he had a wallet on one hand, and he'd say, now look, this is our sin, and then he'd put a handkerchief on the other hand and he'd say, now this is God with all his righteousness. And he'd say, the problem between man and God is this sin. And he'd put that wallet kind of in between. And then he'd say, now you can't do anything. You can turn over a new leaf and he'd flip the wallet over in his hand. He said, you can baptize it. And he'd put it down like it's getting in the water. And he'd say, you can do all these things, but you cannot get rid of that sin because the payment for that sin is being separated from God. And you, you can either pay for your sin and be separated from God, or you can accept Jesus as the one who died in your place. And then he would explain that Christ died on the cross for our sin. He would say things like, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While he was hanging on the cross, that was when God the Father took all our sins and put them on his back. And then three hours later, he said, it is finished. And that meant that the payment was done. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so I, he kept telling me these things over and over. He'd explain with the wallet and the handkerchief that when you trusted in Christ, he'd switch the wallet over onto God on the right hand. And then he'd pull that handkerchief out and put it on himself in, on, on the left hand and say, oh, this is 
us where we've received Christ and now we are declared righteous. And he would do this week after week after week. Mm -hmm. So you didn't get it the first time? <laughs> I didn't get it the first time. No, <laughs> I had to hear it uh, several months. So about, about the end of November, um, he'd come into, the, into your room. He'd come into your room and he'd, um, he'd stick his Bible in your stomach and he'd say, look, Marcus, you can, you know, he'd tell me something. And then he'd run off and you couldn't find him. So you're stuck with his Bible until the next <laughs> day. And you couldn't argue with him. But he didn't want you to argue with him. So he came in there one night and he says, look, Marcus, you can know you have eternal life. And he showed me 1 John 5, 13. And before I could get it out of my mouth to say, Glenn, you know that the Catholic Church says you can't know that you have eternal life until you die. Can you quote 1 John 5, 13? Yeah. These things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So when I, heard that, when I read that, so Glenn's gone. He's, he, he's gone. And I got his Bible and I'm reading that and I'm going, wait a minute. You can know that you have eternal life. It can't depend upon you. It can't depend upon you in any shape or form. Because? Well, so I, and then I reasoned. I said, well, maybe. It, oh, I get it. I get it. It's because of this substitution thing. Oh, I get it. I finally get it. The illustration of the substitution. Yeah, it's this, Jesus takes my sin and he gives me his righteousness. And he would always quote 2 Corinthians 5.21. I heard that a million times. Um, for God had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yeah, great. And he'd quote that every, every time when he'd make this little illustration. And so I'm going, oh, I get it. I have eternal life because of what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that's how I can know I have it. Mm -hmm. I got it. No, wait a minute. And that's it. Wait a minute. A lot of people say, well, you got you to turn from all your sin. You got to get down on your knees and weep and cry. You didn't do that? No, but I tell you what I did do. I did quit believing in myself. Mm-hmm. Quit believing in me saving myself by not committing mortal sins and believing in Christ alone to save me because of what he did 2,000 years ago. If it says that you can know that you have eternal life, it can't depend upon anything you're doing or will do. It has to, be on, it has to depend on something that's done. Mm -hmm. And since I was a sinner and I knew I was, I rec recognized that it was because of what Jesus had done in my place. Mm -hmm. So... Some people would say, well, you have to pray a special prayer. I didn't pray anything. <laughs> didn't pray I anything. just believed it. I, I, I just dawned on me. All of a sudden, I, I understood what he had done. I so, didn't pray a prayer. I didn't get on my knees. I didn't go to church. I didn't give any money. I just, I simply believed what he said. This is a promise. Mm -hmm. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's when I believed in him. Mm -hmm. Then you were baptized probably as a baby. In yeah, Catholic Church. Yeah. So where does baptism fit into this? <laughs> well, that was more like my parents saying, um, you know, hey, I want my kid to grow up in the Catholic Church or in the Christian faith or whatever. That's what, that's what that had to be because it didn't affect me at all. Mm -hmm. um, my baptism came three or four months later mm -hmm. and uh, when, I, when I began to grow as a Christian. Mm -hmm. so. Now, so other people would say, well, you need to promise to make Jesus the Lord of your life, Lord and Master of your life, and promise to serve him and follow him. Well, I did that, but I, that was subsequent. That was later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got, um, 
I I went out and uh, and got drunk. This was a Thursday night. I I believe I believed. No, wait a minute. You believed, then you went out and got drunk. Yeah, I did. To celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's just what I did. <laughs> okay, that's just what. You and did. then on Saturday, God said, um, "You're not supposed to do that." I, he, he didn't say it out loud, but I got the message real quick. I felt like I was having a split personality at that point. So I trotted out in the back of the of the fraternity house in this big field, and I was shouting at God again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, what is going on? This is not so bad to get drunk. I mean, this is not in the Ten Commandments. I could hear those angels saying, hey, God, it's a bill again. He's yelling. Man, <laughs> he took me to the woodshed, and I quit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, you said you felt like you, you had a split personality, but in, in a sense, isn't that what happens when we become Christians? We have an old nature that wants us to do the things that, according to the flesh, the sinful mm -hmm. nature, and then... But yet God is pulling us in a different direction. That's right. And he was pulling hard. Yeah. And I, I felt that, that conflict in my heart. And uh, he took me, uh, chasing me for, for that sin and began to deal with me pretty heavily. So, yeah. you know, and that's what God the Father will do. A good father doesn't want his children to stray away. He wants to keep them going. Amen. You know? So uh, Catholics believe in grace and talk about grace quite a bit. What is different about the grace that the Catholic Roman Catholics might talk about and the grace that you discovered? Well, they talk about staying in a state of grace. Okay, so you're baptized as a baby and you're you're put into God's family. Okay, by the baptism mm -hmm. of a child, and then you're you're called. They call you being in a state of grace, and you're in there kind of on probation, because if you commit a, a venial sin, a little sin, it's not so bad. But if you commit one one of the biggies, they, that means that you're committed a mortal sin and you're, uh, you're in danger of going to hell. You're no longer in a state of grace. So ultimately, you're getting to heaven or not depends upon whether you don't do mortal sins or not. You just, if you do a mortal sin, then you have to get to confession. Otherwise, you, know, you, you get caught outside of this state of grace you get you get sent to hell. So ultimately, it's not much about Jesus in the in the the salvation package of the Catholic Church. It's more about you get baptized and uh, you stay out of the big sins and you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And you got and if you do commit a big one, you not you got to go to the priest and get forgiven. What do the Roman Catholic sacraments have to do with grace? Well. I'm not real sure how that all fits in. I, I, I think they would say, this is how you get grace, is by doing these acts, and then you get the grace. Yeah. So it's, you're kind of earning it. So you're, trying, you're staying away from the bad sins, and you're trying to earn the grace by going to confession or the uh, you know, different um, um, sacraments that they have. Um, so how, yeah. how does that conflict with how, how you think about grace today? Because I know you don't think that way today. No, no. My, uh, How do you understand grace oh, today? Grace is completely different. This, I've been graced. I've been pardoned. It's like a presidential pardon. I was found guilty. <laughs> I've, been, I've been pardoned. Amen. And um, when Jesus died on that cross, he died for my sins, past, present, and future. They were all future when he died. Yeah, so. He died for all of my sins, and he gives me eternal life as grace. That means it's free. That means it's forever. It means I didn't earn it. I didn't merit it. I have no claim to boast, and it's final. I mean, it's done. 
I'm forgiven. And, I, and that's because of His grace to me. And then His grace works in my life to train me to be better, to learn to honor Him and to obey Him. It teaches me to be godly, a godly man. What if you were to really blow it, though, and murder somebody or commit adultery? How, well, does, how does your view of grace Jesus, Jesus paid for that a long time ago. And his death is, <laughs> it overwhelms all of my sins. You know, anybody, all of our sins. His, his death covers our sin. It, it takes away our sin, not covers. It takes away our sin. His grace is, I'm declared righteous. I'm legally declared righteous before God. That's my standing. Now, if I commit a sin like that, that's a bad thing. Uh, I need to confess it. I need to correct it. I need to do whatever it takes to make it right with the other person, for instance, if I've stolen or what. But um, not to keep my salvation. My salvation is acquired by Christ, by his death on the cross, and it's given to me with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's absolutely free. You know, in a sense, God has kind of taken a chance on us that he's given this grace to. But the thing about it is, he, he changes us mm -hmm. from the inside out. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't take much chance on me. I just, I mean, he did, but my reaction was not, oh, I'm going to send some more. It's, how can I honor him? Well, grace is always a risky thing. And that's why I think people are afraid of, of, of the true concept of grace because it does give us freedom. It does give us freedom to walk away like the prodigal son walked away. What kind of father would have restrained him with chains or put him in a jail cell? And give right. him that freedom. Yeah, and for me, it just made me a grateful, joyful, secure child of God. Yeah. I mean, my dad would never, ever, ever have thought of kicking me out of his family for anything I could do. Mm -hmm. And my heavenly father is certainly more consistent than my earthly father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do whatever I wanted to. My dad wouldn't let me, man. He, he had a thing called the, the, the alligator. He'd say, you want the alligator? It was an alligator belt. And they had two older brothers. So I don't think I got the alligator, but maybe once in my life. Because all he'd have to say is, son, you want the alligator? And I'd say, no, dad, no, sir. And I'd straighten up. And our father will do that to us. He'll keep us. But he won't kick us out of the family. He won't I, kick us out of the family. How could we ever think less of God than we would uh, our human fathers? I mean, God's certainly the perfect father. Yes, that's right. Let, let me go back then, so you, uh, a little bit, because you, you're in Mississippi State. What are you studying? I studied journalism. Uh -huh. I wanted to change the world. Mm -hmm. I was the editor of the paper here at Mississippi State. Okay. And I was a, you know, want to change the world. Was in the in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, I went to school. And, uh, you know, Mississippi was going through a lot of changes. I wanted to see a lot of those changes right now, okay. you know. So I was in journalism, and I studied and uh, edited the paper, and was, uh, we had some really a lot of fun, a lot of strong editorials and things like that. Um, but then when I became a Christian, I realized, okay, journalism is not going to change the world. I want to change the world. I want to. I didn't know anything about spiritual gifts, about becoming a pastor or anything, but I knew that the way to change the world was one person at a time, and the gospel could do it. But mm -hmm. it had changed me mm -hmm. from. The heart out. Right. So, where did that lead you? 
that kind of thing. Well, I finished college as a journalism major. It were, actually it wasn't when they didn't offer that degree at State, but that was as close as I could get to it with adrenal liberal arts, which <laughs> turned out perfect to be pre-seminary because God was going to lead me into the semi into seminary and then become a pastor and then a missionary. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a missionary for 34 years in France mm -hmm. doing church planting, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. My wife and I had a, a neat ministry of evangelism and, and planting and teaching and structuring a church. Well, when you say seminary, you mean, you mean um, you don't mean a Catholic seminary because Catholics do have seminaries. No, no. You, you went to a Protestant? Protestant, yeah. evangelical yeah, seminary. Evangelical yeah. seminary. Right. And that trained you for the mission field and you joined and stayed on the mission field 34 years. Mm -hmm. That's quite a bit. And France is a tough uh, mission field, isn't it? it? It is. It's a lot of humanism and a lot of um, reaction to the history of France and how they were treated by religion and things like that. And uh, But uh, the people were lovely, uh, loved us, we loved them. We learned the language well and just had many, many, many very, very close friends there. We pray for them. I, I do now. My wife is gone. But uh, I pray still for them, talk to them on the phone. Some of them are going to be coming to visit pretty soon Nice from France now that COVID is kind of winding yeah, down. We've got several that are coming soon in the next few months. So, yeah, um, great place. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your wife, Barbara, and uh, uh, you lost her how many months ago? It was in late October. Late October. Yeah. Uh, she was a faithful woman. Oh, boy. Can you just give us an idea of what her faith was like? She was a, a wonderful witness for Christ. She was a wonderful mom, a wonderful wife, but boy, did she love lost people. She loved the gospel. She knew how to share the gospel. She had no fear. She was the most courageous woman I've ever seen. She, <laughs> I, I met her as she was brand new, right out of high school, dealing on the University of Miami campus, trying to lead people to Christ and doing Bible studies. And I'm going, I want a wife like that. Wow. She's got courage. So when I, when I came back from my last semester at Dallas Seminary, um, saying, I just talked to a guy today that wants to, us to come and work with him in France as church planters in the Paris suburbs, I told him we we're going to do it. You told him? I, I told him we we're going to come. We we're going to do it. I said, I talked to my wife, but we're doing this. Mm -hmm. And so when I told my wife, I said, honey, we're going as missionaries with team to France for our whole career. Within an hour, she was convinced that it was the thing that God wanted us to do. And she was, we weren't ready to go until it was time to go. But she was on the road. She was, she was right in step with me from that minute on. Mm -hmm. That's courage. That's courage. You know, some, you know I, I hate to even bring this up, but some people think, well, people become missionaries because they, they can't really do ministry effectively in the United States, or it's like a default second choice, <laughs> you know. Well, let people that think that way go try to do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Learning a new yeah. language, um, entering into a new culture. Have you ever heard of those stress, chest, stress charts? Where you yeah, have yeah. a certain number of points Changes. for this, you know, this uh, change job, it's 10 points. Yeah. You move, it's a 20 points. Christmas was Illness. even like five yeah. points. Well, we got over, and if you over have over 100 points in a year, they say you will have uh, uh, psychological and or physical problems mm -hmm. in, the, in the next year. Mm -hmm. we we're over 300 points without, without counting changing language and culture. Wow. 
So yeah. trying to do it, it's, it was it was stressful. It was, those first few years were were rich and uh, rewarding, but but stressful. They well, were. I just brought that up because there's some people that have that erroneous idea. <laughs> but missionaries are my heroes because yeah. I know what they're giving up. I know their sacrifice. I know their commitment. I see it all the time. Yeah, I hear that. That you're a real sac. You sacrifice your hero. I never felt that way at all. I never felt like I sacrificed anything. I felt like I was the winner. I had to. I got to go. I get to go to be a missionary and spread the gospel to people that probably never would have ever heard it. I got to. That was to me. It was 100% privilege, no sacrifice. Just the stress of getting there and learning and all that. That was tough, mm -hmm. but it was always a privilege. Yeah. Uh, dealing with your your wife's illness. Uh, and so forth. Uh, Grace must have meant picking on maybe a different dimension for yeah. you in some ways. Uh, how did, how did uh, what did Grace well, come to mean to you in that time of uh, difficulty? If you don't mind. Grace, Grace is, is, it undermines everything we are and we do, everything. It's, uh, he, he was gracious to me when I was his enemy, when I was against him, when I was into religion, when I was not wanting to know him. He was gracious to me. He was gracious to me to save me. He was gracious to me to give me a wife like her. He was gracious to... He was just full of grace. But when, I, when she started getting sick and we kind of knew what was, what was the future, we were hoping it was going to be a far away future, but it was, it was a little over a year and a half. Um, I was standing on a rock. I was standing in His grace on a rock. Now, I might tremble on the rock, but the rock doesn't move. Mm. The rock never moved. Yeah. I was in his hand. I was secure. I knew where she was going, no doubt. And uh, she wrote. She she loved to quilt. She was a mm -hmm. she was an artistic person as well as an evangelist. Was great, also, courageous. Yeah. She made a quilt and she labeled it in June when she knew she was dying. She knew she was heading to heaven, but she had no regrets. And she wrote on that, when the sea billows roll, it is well, it is well with my soul. Barbara Vargas, June 2021. Mm -hmm. So I was so proud of her. She, she just loved the Lord all the way to, the, to her last dying breath. And she, she never complained. She, her faith was strong. Mm -hmm. She was saved by grace. She knew who she was. She never thought she was better than anyone. She had friends from every walk of life, every kind of people. <laughs> we adopted a, a, some illegal immigrants in France, mm -hmm. and she loved this woman and her kids. She would buy this woman necklaces and hanker, uh, uh, rings and, and bracelets and completely useless things for an immigrant, <laughs> illegal immigrant woman <laughs> who lived in a shelter, uh -huh. and yet she loved her and loved her and loved her. That's who she was. Yeah. And that's that grace coming through. God loved us all by grace, and that grace just got, mm -hmm. got spread out, got shared to others. And, and though, she's, though she's passed away from your life in this world, we know that you'll see her again. And she, oh. she knew where she was going. And that's right. The, death, the sting of death is gone. It's just a matter of falling asleep and waking up and... In the presence of the Lord. And I know what she heard. She heard Jesus come to her and say, Faithful servant, welcome. Enter into 
the reward in heaven. You know, I mean, I heard that's what he said to her. Yeah. Enter yeah. into the joy of your master. Yeah. She heard it. And, uh, then she got to be with uh, some of her good friends and her mom and others that are up there. So, you know. Well, the, you, the Lord has uh, led you all along. You've had a good ministry, faithful ministry. We have a common friend, and his name is Marvin Effa. Mm. He's pastoring in uh, Plano, Texas, and he's worked with team uh, mission that you were with as well. And uh, you're 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 not uh, laying down and retiring and sitting in an easy chair all day, are you? No, no. I, no, no. <laughs> when I came home from. Um, Came back to the United States from home, which was France, for 34 years. I, I, you know, I keep saying, I'm coming home. No, I'm going back to the United States, which is a different country from 34 years oh, yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, so I came to the United States, and I immediately, when I, when I retired from team in France, then I, I joined another mission called Equipping Leaders International, and I teach um, French-speaking pastors in Africa. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's been a... It's been a joy and a privilege as well to teach these men that are faithful servants of God. They just need equipping. Yeah, they need yeah. it. They need to learn some of the more basic things and learn how to preach and learn how to do uh, Bible interpretation. And uh, I'm I'd kind of the privilege to be uh, helping them. That's you know? great. That's great. And of course, you're a lot of, probably a lot of that's online. Yeah. They they lack the resources. They lack the training. That's right. And yeah. We try to work with the guys that just don't even have any prospect of having training. Mm -hmm. you know, just too far away from anywhere, they can't get internet. I mean, you know. yeah. the problem is what a lot of these guys will do is they'll turn on the radio and they'll hear some, some guy, wacko preacher, preaching false doctrine and whatever. Or, and they'll preach that because they just don't know better. Or sometimes they'll kind of mix in some of their African traditional religion into right. it, and it becomes a, synth a synthesis, a bad synthesis of mm -hmm. religion. And it, so it, they really need the help. And most of them are trying to work their way to heaven. And a people, lot of them. And telling people to keep a list of rules and oh, work yeah. their way to heaven. Yeah, yeah. That's called legalism, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. A lot yeah. of that. Yeah. But you know, as I teach grace, and it opens our eyes to. The grace and then the assurance that you have and then this this confidence that you have and then this love that just buds into you and just blossoms out and it just comes gushing up. I'd like a spring of water inside your heart and it's just it's just a you know, people that don't know Christ, they've got they're missing out so much. It's you know, I, when I talk to people I say that sometimes you mean to say that's uh, all I have to do is trust in Christ, and I say, yeah, but I like to say it better in a different way. That's all you can do mm. is trust in Christ. That's all you can do is believe in Him, the one who died in your place. That's all you can do. That's your only hope. Mm -hmm. You know? So Okay. That's, that's absolutely true. So uh, it, the name of the group you're working with now? Equipping Leaders International. Equipping Leaders International. Their website is... Equippingleadersinternational.org. .org. And people could find you there. Yeah. Uh, under Bill Bogus. B O G G E S S. Right. So if they wanted to participate in your ministry or see that's what you're doing, they could go to that sure. website. Well, that's great. Now, some people that might be listening in here have uh, maybe they were raised in a Roman Catholic background or maybe not, but they still have questions and doubts about where they're going to spend eternity. Can you close this out by sharing in a, in a brief form mm -hmm. uh, a message of good news for them? Sure. Well, 
if you're working your way to heaven or you're trying to add to what Jesus has done, you can be assured that what Jesus did on that cross was sufficient. And how do we know that? It's because God raised him from the dead. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's when God the Father took our sins and put them on Jesus. He died for three hours. He suffered to be separated from his Father. He'd never been separated. I mean, he's an infinite. He's infinite. And he was separated in this three-hour time. Now, I don't know how that really works in an, for an infinite being. Somebody told me well, that's an infinite num time points that he was suffering. I don't know how it all works. We, know, we don't know. We don't need to but, know how it works. Yeah, we don't really know. It's, what we do know is that Jesus was separated from the Father for this time being, for this three hours, until he said, it is finished. Now, it is finished is in Greek is the word tetelestai. That's my favorite word in any language. Tetelestai. Oh, I love that word. Oh, it, it's a word that's, that they'd stamp on a bill that they'd pay. Tetelestai. That means, hey, it's paid in full. Paid you in know, full. it's a guy he's put in prison and they'd write his, all his crimes and then they'd say, all right, you owe 20 years to the state for what you've done. And when the 20 years was up, they'd write, they'd stamp tetelestai on his on this paper, they'd give it to him, and when somebody'd say, "Hey, you're supposed to be in jail," he'd pull out that paper and he'd say, "Look at the bottom of this paper. It says Tetelestai. It's paid. I paid my debt. I'm a free man." Well, that's the way. It, that's what Jesus said. He said, "You can go free. Your sins are paid. All of them, past, present, future. I will offer you eternal life if you trust Him. If you believe in what I've done and believe in Me, I will give you eternal life." And you will never, ever have to doubt your salvation. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. You just receive it with an empty hand. There you go. And if they want to go out and yell at God, they can, can do that. Hey. And God's not going to turn them away. No, you read the, you read the Psalms. You figure, you know, it's okay to yell at God when you need to yell at Him. <laughs> Otherwise, you, if, if it's wrong to, to yell at God, you've got to pull all those Psalms out of the, out of the Bible. But I think what we heard from your story today also is that there's no magic words, there's no magic formula, there's no magic deeds, promises, commitments, uh, even baptism uh, is something we do later. It's not in order to be saved, no, but no, no. to show that we're saved. Um, it's a question of believe, believe. Yet you look at all what he did, who he was, what he did, what he said, and you get convinced of what he what he did was was true and right, and and that he can save. I mean. You know, somebody asked me the other day, said, why should I believe in Jesus? Why can you say Jesus is the only way? I said, well, look, if you're going to try to get eternal life, you better go to somebody who can give it to you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the only one that's come back from the grave. Yeah. He's the only one who can give it, and he does. He gives it to those who believe in him. Exact conversation I had with someone last night. I said, well, you know, if you know somebody else that's risen from the dead, I'll, I'll uh, leave my Jesus and go follow him. But he couldn't, pick, he couldn't think of anybody else that's risen from the no, dead. Our Savior is alive. That's good news. And, Bill, I appreciate you sharing your, your life with us and uh, uh, what, God, what God has done. And you just see grace emanating from you. And uh, I can see it on your face. I can uh, hear sitting with you and see the tears of joy at, at times that our listeners could see. But thanks for sharing that. All right, thanks for asking me. I'm a real privilege. Well, uh, God bless you as you continue to share that message and change the world one person at a time. All right. Thank you. Uh, so, God bless you, my friend.
As you've heard from Bill's Grace story, it was Grace that made a difference in his life. Grace changed everything. Not only did it bring him salvation, but also the strength to go through some difficult times like losing his wife. But as Bill and I would agree, salvation comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And the grace of God means that that salvation cannot be earned or worked for. It doesn't depend on our performance, but on one who performed on our behalf, that is, Jesus Christ, who paid the sins by his death on the cross and rose from the dead, something that no one else has ever done. But because he rose from the dead, he guarantees us eternal life if we simply believe in him for it. Would you do that today? Believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he will also change your life according to his grace. And then be sure to subscribe to our channel and our podcast and like it and make a comment so that more and more people can hear our stories. Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.